welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to episode number 62 of Just Jets. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary here hanging out with you and we have some Richard Sherman to talk about. Is there going to be a reunion here with Robert Sala? your voicemails, and so much more. But before all of that, I just wanted to remind you that NFL draft season is upon us, and it's possible that you might have Trevor Lawrence's haircut in your pants. No good. That's why our partners over at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have partnered with us to make sure that you don't gamble on shaving your balls the same way like you gamble on football. So for all my draft geeks out there, 20% off, and free shipping on anything on Manscaped's website with the promo code JETS20. That's promo code J-E-T-S-20 for 20% off and free shipping on anything on their site, like the Lawnmower 3.0, their cologne that I love so much, and so much more. So check it out and uh, use the promo code. really helps us out a lot. So let's get into the episode. What are we going to talk about today? Well... Supposedly, there is some interest that the New York Jets have in bringing Richard Sherman in, which seems to make a ton of sense. And when you look at free agency, or at least when I did, it seemed like he would be a really good fit. Now, there's a few things I want to get into before we get into what he actually did on the field. So there was the obvious connection because Sherman loves, loves, loves Robert Sala. But at this point in his career, it's very, very possible that he would like to go to a team that is just strictly a contender. And the Jets are not that. I think they're going to be improved in 2021. Don't get it twisted. I think that they're going to be a much improved team. But they are not a team that's going to be fighting for playoff position. I just don't see it. Unless something crazy happens, they're not a, a, so, a contender, so to speak. So are they going to have to pay you know, a significant chunk of change to get him in here? It is interesting, though, that he is still not signed. And maybe it's just because... People are waiting to see how the NFL draft plays out. but And I wouldn't put it past Joe Douglas or any GM really to sign Richard Sherman after the draft. I'd be surprised if anything happens before next Thursday, if I'm being completely honest with you. But when you look at what he's done over the last couple of years, he's still really solid. Like I know last year he only played in five games, but the year before that he had a 63 passer rating allowed, which is still really good in 2019. He was playing at a Pro Bowl level in 2019. Obviously gets hurt, only plays a few games last year, but he's going to be 33 years old. And normally I don't want a corner who's going to be over 30 years old. But this is a unique situation because I think you bring him in on a one-year deal, have a stopgap option as a legitimate outside starting corner to help mentor the younger group. Like look at this Jets corner core and in the secondary just in general it's a young unit and a relatively inexperienced unit just go right down the list Bryce Hall Bless Austin Javelin Gidry Ashton Davis there's a lot of young guys in this team and I would assume they're going to draft corners at least one maybe two corners in the NFL draft so bringing in a guy like Richard Sherman would make a lot of sense to pair with those uh, the key guys going forward. And he does give you some value in 2021 as a player. For instance, and I know I've made this comparison before, and it's not exactly the same, but in 2008, the New York Jets brought Ty Law back. And he was pretty much done. It was at the end of his career, but he helped mentor Darrell Revis. And Revis, who was in year two at that time, 
took a massive step forward in his third year in the NFL in 2009 and was the best player at his position for the next four or five years in a row. He was a very, very solid player, a very solid corner. So Richard Sherman could kind of be that same role. Yes, he's not the same shutdown guy he was in 2012. The Jets don't need him to be. They just need a capable starter who knows the system. And that's another thing, too. Obviously, he knows Robert Tella very well, but he knows the system and can help teach it to the younger guys. So his value is more than what he actually just brings on the field, which is still pretty solid. It's what he could also do. And sure, if like a Pittsburgh, I'm just throwing an example out there of contending teams, calls him up and, and wants to sign him, then he will likely go there. But don't put it past the New York Jets, Joe Douglas and Robert Tella to bring in a guy like Richard Sherman. I think it makes a ton of sense. And if he is willing to come here on a one year deal, then yeah, let's do it. I think at this point, it's not going to cost you a whole lot of money, and I think it would be some pretty good value. So I just wanted to talk some Richard Sherman at the top. It was a little bit of a slow news week this week. There wasn't anything massive going on. Uh, obviously, the, most of the call-ins are uh, very much so NFL draft-focused because that's where we're going, and I had a mock draft go up on the YouTube channel uh, yesterday, so if you haven't checked that out, make sure to watch it after this. Um, but... Without further ado, let's just get into the voicemails because we have a, a decent amount that we're going to get into uh, today. And it, again, mostly NFL draft related. So let's get into those voicemails. All right. First up is Vinny in Connecticut. He wants to talk about possibly sitting the rookie quarterback. Hey, Matt, it's Vinny in Connecticut calling in. Um, haven't called in in a while. So um, got a quick question for you. How would you feel about the New York Jets taking a different type of approach to the start of the season? Um, obviously, we all know we're going to be drafting a new franchise quarterback, most likely Zach Wilson. So my suggestion is this. Rather than throw him to the wolves day one, how about the idea of bringing in a veteran quarterback to start week one and eventually as the season progresses, slide um, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever may be, into the starting lineup at some point later in the season, hopefully no later than week eight, I would say. I mean, granted, I know we have a new regime in place, but the Jets don't have the type of reputation where they have, you know, been able to develop quarterbacks. If you look at the Mark Sanchez's, Geno Smith, Sam Darnold's of the world, they were all thrown to the world first day, and they eventually all got run out of town. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you look at some of the great quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, they all sat in the beginning. And you know what's all in common with those guys? They're all going to be future Hall of Famers. So the name that comes to mind for me at the top of my list would be bringing in an Alex Smith. I think he would be a great veteran presence. A couple other names I would suggest, which honestly I don't see likely, would be maybe trying to make a play for a Teddy Bridgewater or a Jimmy Garoppolo for like a mid to late round pick. No, 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 no. Obviously I don't think that's too likely, but Alex Smith I think would be intriguing. Like on a one-year deal, tell me what you think and uh, go Jets. Oh, Vinny. I'm not giving up a draft pick for a quarterback who's going to maybe play five games. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Alex Smith started six games last year. He's 36, 197 yards per game, 78.5 rating. He scares the life out of me as a backup because he is one – play away from losing a leg like like literally and that's maybe a little bit harsh but how I worded it but I don't trust his injury why not a guy like Mullins I mean that's just uh that's an easy one he knows the system but I don't want the quarterback to sit because you're closing that 
rookie window by another year potentially. Uh, the guys that you listed off for who sat at the beginning of their career, they all had a like legitimate starter in place. The Jets don't have that. Patrick Mahomes sat behind a Pro Bowl level Alex Smith. Aaron Rodgers sat behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. Eli Manning also sat behind the Hall of Fame quarterback in Kurt Warner. So, yeah, in those positions, we're a little bit different, but most teams aren't in that spot. And, I mean, like last year, Justin Herbert was the best rookie quarterback. He played 15 games last year. I, I want these guys in. I want them playing right away. There's really no evidence that sit, that says sitting for your first five games is going to make a difference in the course of a career. I think experience does. I think learning does. Each situation is unique also. So, yeah, we could talk about Sanchez and we could talk about Darnold. Those are really the only two quarterbacks that the Jets weren't able to develop. Geno Smith was a second-round pick. Um, and I don't think, you know, he wasn't really drafted to be a franchise quarterback. Chad Pennington got hurt. He would have been fine if he did, if he didn't get hurt. They haven't really took massive, like, legitimate swings at the top of drafts. Like that's just not something that they do very often. Um, and if you want to look at the last millennium, so since 2021, they've drafted in the first round, Chad Pennington, they drafted uh, Mark Sanchez, and they drafted Sam Darnold. One of those guys got hurt. The second one in Mark Sanchez had some success early on, but then that kind of, tailed off and I mean he he did in, in a sense get carried a little bit too from the defense and running game and then the third one we, with Darnold we, we we know the story with Sam Darnold uh so it's not the same position it's just not so um I, I think that whoever you take at two should be starting in week one we're wasting time if if you want to start there's no benefit in my eyes to starting Alex Smith five games for the rest of this team we need to have the rookie quarterback, whoever it is, get their reps in and get those mistakes out of the way in year one so that they could be a competitive team in year two and that year two doesn't essentially become a rookie season because they haven't played yet. Next up, we have Ali, I believe, in New York. It was tough to hear. Let's. Uh, he wants to talk about the Jets' future. Let's hear from him. Hey, it's Ali from New York calling in again. Um, I just wanted to know what you think about like the Jets' future like this next year do you think they'll make the playoffs or like the year after and do you think they have a Super Bowl potential the year after next year Super Bowl in two years also do you think that Deshaun Watson rumors are, are completely gone thank you that's it bye thank you for checking in um Deshaun Watson he's got a lot of stuff to go on with right now so I, I don't think the trade the trade talks are calmed down for a reason the Jets aren't going to trade for him uh, as far as it goes with what I think for this year and next year. So I think I would look at it. There's a lot of ways that this year can be looked at as a success. If they take a step forward uh, and are competitive on offense, something they haven't been in a long time, and it, they, they can go 7-10, and 10, but if Zach Wilson is looking like a franchise quarterback and you feel confident about him going forward, then you're in pretty good shape. Um. My thing is this, 
Robert Sala and the staff and everyone and the rookie quarterback has this year as a developmental year. And I still want this year to be, you know, a, a legitimate step forward. If they go two and 15 or there's 17 games now or three and 14 or, or four win, if they're in the two, three, four win range, I'm not going to be happy, but there's a path to six and 11 being okay. Like if the jets are the 2020 version of the chargers, then you could be happy about that. Cause I think a lot of chargers fans are excited going forward about their young quarterback and their team. Um, as it goes for what I think for 2022, that's my year for expecting the playoffs. Um, Because excuses are starting to go out the window at that point. 21 draft picks this year and next year. So the team should look completely different by in a week and a half from now. But a year in a year from now, plus a week and a half after the 2022 draft. So you got to start taking legitimate steps forward. There's no more three, four-year rebuilds in the NFL anymore. You have a relatively new GM, you have a rookie head coach, and you're going to have a rookie quarterback. Take a decent step forward this year. Be a playoff team in 2022. I don't think that's asking too much. Jake in Summerfield is up next, and he wants to talk about Trevor Lawrence. Hey, Matt, this is Jack uh, Jack, from Summerfield. Uh, First-time caller. Just wanted to see if uh, you thought that there was any possible way that Jacksonville does not take Trevor Lawrence and takes either Zach Wilson, which would be my best guess because I think they are one and two. Um, and the Jets get a surprise with Trevor Lawrence falling to them at number two. And what do you think about how that changes everything uh, after that? Probably not a lot because obviously they still got uh, a lot of outstanding needs, but uh, just wanted to see what you uh, thought about that. Have a great day. Go Jets. Um, thank you for calling in, Jack. So let's talk about it. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is not the number one overall pick. I mean, Jacksonville tweeted about, or excuse me, Jacksonville donated to Trevor Lawrence's charity. A lot of their fan base did. Trevor Lawrence basically said on Twitter today, thank you, Jacksonville. I'll see you soon, essentially. Um, reading between the lines and, and, you know, reading through context, uh, he's going to, he's going to Jacksonville. There's no way that, uh, Zach Wilson's the pick. Uh, I understand that Wilson's had a ton of hype, but I I don't think it's enough to pass on a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence. It's just, I, I don't see that happening on draft day. Vinny in peak skill is up next. He wants to talk quarterbacks. Oh, hey, Matt. It's Vinny from Peak Skill. What's up, Vinny? I want to talk about this narrative that's been going around, I guess, social media. And all it's been talked about since back when we were even in the Trevor Lawrence mix, that the Jets are somehow, you know, a black hole where quarterbacks go to die. And I think I find that just really incorrect because, you know, you look when talking about first-round pick quarterbacks because those are the ones that generally are going to, make the biggest impact on your team. Jets have drafted six quarterbacks in the first round. Of those six, five of them made the playoffs. Four of them won a playoff game, if I'm correct. You good, Vinny? Three of them appeared in a conference and or league championship game. And one of them won a Super Bowl. I wouldn't say the Jets have this bad track record when it comes to quarterbacks. I just said they've gotten unlucky with some. I just think it's a ridiculous talking point. I mean, because outside of Darnold, there's no other first-round quarterback the Jets 
legitimately ruined. Just want to hear your thoughts on it and go Jets. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much with you, and that's kind of how I opened the show with uh, other Vinny from Connecticut. Um, I I'm, I'm with you. I think that in 2011 the Jets did a lot wrong with building that team around Mark Sanchez. Like they took away Braylon Edwards, they took away Jericho Cotchery, Dustin Keller was soon out the door. Um, Brad Smith was gone. So a lot of that offense began to shift. And when the Rex guys got in there, that's when it started to go pretty bad. I am not concerned about the Jets ruining their next quarterback. I think they are in a good position. I think the general manager is a smart general manager. I am excited about this Jets coaching staff, which is something that I didn't say in 2018 or 2019. So I think Jets fans have a reason to believe that this time will be different. I really do. Next up is Ben in New Jersey. He's got a mock draft for us. Let's hear him out. What's up, Matt? It's Ben from Jersey. Yo. So we're only... Um, uh, I, forgot, I forgot what day it is. Not a math today, podcast. But, uh, Doesn't matter. We're a little more than two weeks from the draft. So I think it's about that time to leave another mock draft. So pick two. We obviously know where we're going at. We're taking Zach Wilson out of BYU. There's a chance to go Justin Fields, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Wilson's the guy. Agree. No explanation needed there. Agree. Um, round, so in, for our second first round pick, I have us trading back with the Green Bay Packers. Okay. I have them take, go, have them trading up with us to draft one of those, one of the wide receivers. So okay. I have us getting pick 29 and pick 62 in return. You know, pick 29 and picking cornerback Greg Newsom out okay. of Northwestern. I like it. I feel like this is kind of this could kind of be something with um, Joe, like Joe Douglas did last year when Denzel Mims he drafted Denzel Mims. Everyone wanted him to draft out 46. He traded down. Everyone thought he was wrong for doing that because Mims was still on the board, but Mims was still there at 59. So I think Newsom is a perfect fit for this team. We need a cornerback, and Newsom embodies Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, in my opinion. I think so. So pick 34. We I am taking interior offensive lineman Creed Humphrey. Okay. He's the best center in this class. He can play all over all over the line, and I think he can be our Nick Mangold. Pick 62, I'm taking linebacker Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. Now, D- Jamin Davis really came to his own in tw- this past season, but he's still pretty raw. So I really think I want to find another outside linebacker so Davis can be like a rotational guy to start for now. Okay. But then next year he can really come in and dominate as a three-down linebacker. So pick 66, I'm taking edge rusher Patrick Jones, the second. Yes, my guy. Patrick Jones is a guy I've liked for a long time. I thought he could go first round, but then I've seen people drafting the both the fifth round. But I think he's um, the safest, safe pick at edge rusher. He's had at least 11 sacks in each of the past two seasons, and it never hurts to have another edge rusher on the defensive line. So, and in round three, pick 86, I am taking wide receiver from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace is only 5'11", but he can make those contested catches in one-on-one situations. He needs some work in route running, but I think next year, if we don't re-sign Crowder and Keelan Cole, I think Tylen Wallace will be a great third receiver for this team. So that's um, a little bit of my three-round mock draft. Let me know what you think. Is there any, anyone that you would draft in those spots? Thank you. And as always, go Jets. 
Yeah, I mean, you're kind of hitting on the money. I, I'm not opposed to trading back at 23. In my most recent mock, I have the Jets trading out of 34. Uh, I'll say it like this. I think I'd be surprised if Joe Douglas stays at both 23 and 34. I think he's going to move one of those picks. And I don't think he's going to trade up. Like, I've heard some talks about, oh, moving up in the first round for one of the offensive linemen. I don't buy it. I think, he, if anything, he's going to move back. Uh, and get more picks and more swings, which just seems like his M.O. Uh, but all positions of need that you touch on, I, I think it's a really good mock draft, and I would be happy if that was the haul on draft night in a little over a week. Can't wait. Oh, my God, the 29th can't get here soon enough. Uh, next up, we're going to Chris in Mississippi. He's got some takes on the NFL draft. Hey, Matt, it's uh, Chris Yo. from Mississippi. Um, oh, boy. Basically, I kind of want to talk about this upcoming draft. And then, as well, I have another question for you. Um, so, first of all, I, I just got done listening to last week's episode, and a couple callers were talking about how we need a draft offense with, you know, 23 and 34 and all, and like, you know, all first picks. Uh, I, I don't see that unless it's, unless, how you said, unless it's offensive line. But, like, someone's talking about receivers and things like that. Like, there's no upside. Like, we already have four good receivers. Like, there's no point in spending a high draft pick. For another, for like maybe a fifth receiver this year, like, no, like I just don't see the logic in that. I feel like after obviously number two, we can go quarterback. I think after that, we need to go either Gold, as in like a Wyatt Davis or Creed Humphrey. I don't think maybe, maybe at thirty-four with that pick, but we need to go quarterback uh, at twenty-three, or and then um, maybe in the third round, in all third-round picks, maybe go like a linebacker or an edge, things like that. Well, these receivers. Or offensive weapon like a tight end, like we don't, we're kind of solid there. We don't really need that until maybe fourth or fifth round. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of want to talk about that and how, you know, I feel like our defense right now needs the most help because in free agency we kind of brought in good, good offensive weapons. Uh, so now it's time to focus on some defense. Uh, and then the the next question I want to ask you is, um, I was watching a video uh, last week and I found out it's something called the uh, the curse of the second overall pick. I don't know if you heard of it, but if you go back and look at it, second overall pick end up not really having that good of a career. Uh, and obviously, we'll pick at number second in the draft. Uh, we're probably going to take Zach Wilson, or you know, we might get fashioned and pick Matt Jones because you know just how Jets are. But no, we're probably going to pick Zach Wilson. And uh, there's something called the curse of second overall pick. So I just want to let you. If, I just want to know if you ever heard of that. Anything? Maybe Zach Wilson could be the one to break that. Uh, anyway. I love the show, man. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, let me know. Thank you for checking in. So um, what we will do is take a look back at some of the second overall pick. Actually, I'm sorry. First, let me address the offense versus um, defense kind of a thing. Yes, I do think that you probably have to lean a little bit more offense because of how big of an issue it's been, but I'm not taking a receiver in the first two rounds. I can tell you that. I don't think that would be wise at this point. I think you should wait on running back. I think you should wait on tight end. And I agree. I think corner outside of offensive line, quarterback, offensive line, and then my number three need right now is corner. And I think you need at least one or two um, as well. So let's go with some of the most. Do they have the full the full list? Okay. Uh, let's scroll all the way to the bottom. They didn't reverse order. So Chase Young in 2020. So far, so good. Bosa, so far, so good. Um, Barkley, 
you could argue about the value, but I get it. Uh, Trubisky, not good. Wentz was an MVP candidate at one point. Mariota, bad. Robinson, bad. Uh, Luke Jokel, not good. RG3, RIP. Not that he was hurt, but his knee. Von Miller, good. And Dominican Sue, good. Jason Smith, eh, no. Uh, Chris Long was pretty good. Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. I know we're probably talking uh, on corners, uh, quarterbacks rather, but uh, when was the last quarterback? Uh, Donovan McNabb in 99 is pretty good. So let's just do, let's just only do quarterbacks. Trubisky, not good. Wentz, decent. Mariota, not good. RG3, injury. Uh, McNabb, good. Ryan Leaf, not good, clearly. Rick Meir, Meyer. Yikes, that's bad on me. Um, not a ton of quarterbacks taken. Uh, I'm, sc- I'm scrolling back right now. Burt Jones, Archie Manny in, in 71. So I, I get it. I'm just not, that's not something that I'm concerned about. The, oh my God, you can't take a quarterback in the top 10 because it's so rare that they win Super Bowls. And it's just, if you haven't positioned a need, take it especially a quarterback. You have to take those swings early. Uh, next up, is, and I appreciate the insight on that, Chris. Next up is Jeremy, um, and he has some takes on the draft as well. Hey, Matt. Jeremy calling from Sacramento again. Hey, um, love your insight, man, by the way. Really enjoying it. Thank um, you. So I, I came up with a scenario. I wonder what you think about it, because I think about some of these crazy things sometimes, just thinking about the Jets all the time. Um Imagine Newsom's not there when we pick um, 23. We go interior lineman because that means somebody else is there, right? So we get one of those guys that we're, that we're seeing some of those names. We don't know if they're going to fall or not. Get an interior lineman. Boom, 34 comes. A little bit of a surprise. Uh, we go the best center, right? I think you said Humphreys or Dickerson or something like that. Um, and we get one a top-notch center, and it's like, okay, we kind of know what he's doing, right? He's going to build up this really big – opposing offensive line um we you know and it gives us lots of options on the line if we did that let's say it pans out beautifully right everything goes amazing as planned offensive line comes the two you know the two new offensive linemen um everything is great top 10 offensive line works perfectly for zach because it takes tons of pressure off of them um allows us to run the ball like crazy san francisco style anyway taking tons of pressure off, again, of Zach, which I think is so important in his rookie year. He has some good receivers to throw to when he has to pass. Okay? So you get the idea. Like, all of a sudden, the offense does a complete flip. We have a really strong offense to put up easily 24 to 31 points a game, and it's not a surprise for the Jets to do that, and it's a regular thing for us. And We're not getting shut down all the time. Great. We're still going to win, let's say, imagine in that scenario, we're still going to only win seven, eight games. And that would be great because it would be a big step forward. To me, this is a two-year process um, because we don't have a corner, right? And, we, we, you know, our secondary is going to get lit up sometimes in the cost us games, no question about it. Probably. Um, going into that second year, how do you feel about this in a draft? If it Because now it's going to be cornerback. That's going to be the, the giant, giant obvious thing, right? Because we filled so many needs, and now we have this glaring need um, to really put the final pieces of the puzzle in. How do you feel about taking one of our second-round picks if we had to, combining it with one of our first rounds if we had to, to move up um, 
to really get one of those top two corners, whoever is going to be available next year, if we don't think wherever we're picking in the middle is going to get us a, a, kind of like, how do you think, is Joe Douglas that kind of guy that's going to say, we're, you know, there's a couple of corners, but we're going to have to move into the top ten. We're going to have to move up five, four or five spots, make sure we get one of those two, but really feel good that we're going to get that number one starting cornerback. Is it worth it to you? Um, because we did so well and filled so many holes that we can give up that, you know, one of those second round picks and give up some of that second round capital, draft capital, just to secure that, that cornerback and still have that other, you know, sec, uh, second round pick. Uh, got cut off at the end, but get the point for sure. Um, I, I do think that with the number of picks that the Jets have accumulated, in this past year plus under Joe Douglas that you could afford to move up if need be. Uh, it's tough to say what the needs are a year out, but corner definitely seems like it could be one of those things, depending on what they do in this year's draft class. I would say that's probably a fair guess at what the biggest needs going to be next year. And I'm not opposed to giving up picks to go up and get a legitimate guy with, especially with four in the first two rounds. Sure. I think it could make sense to do that. If It all depends on how the board breaks and stuff like that. So uh, we'll have to see then, but I I can't say that I'm opposed to that logic, Jeremy. Travis is up next, and he wants to talk Joe Douglas. Hey, Matt. Yo. Travis from Ohio. What up? You know how I've only said positive things about Broadway Joe Douglas because I like his resume, seller cappers, this and in free agency when value meets talent that should be one of your t-shirts that you should make hmm. opportunity right there um, scouting and background and temperament you know and his first draft class outside this one was to, to drag Ryan Khalil out of retirement in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I mostly liked his first real draft in 2020, but I can't always be sunshine, so I'm going to criticize him a little bit here and okay. see if you agree. Because um, we're all fallible as humans, except Jesus and my ex wife, according to her. <laughs> He said Jesus and his ex-wife. Oh, I had to stop that. That was good. Oh. <laughs> Jesus and his ex-wife. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, man, that was good, Travis. We know we should have never let Robbie go for 12 more a year. Like, we should have signed him. Like, and he's even, and Joe owns it. He's come out and even said it. And Brashard Perryman was not the answer, but at least that was a $5 million one-year contract. Anyway, I wasn't real high on drafting Zuniga, even though I understand swinging for it, and that mm -hmm. was a need. Edge has always been a need, like you always say since Abraham, which I agree. Correct. I wasn't a huge fan of P. Ryan, and... He's never wowed me, but hopefully he does. I mean, he's still young, fourth, third or fourth round, fourth round pick. There we go. 
Anyway, um, and of course, top secret weapon that is James Morgan. James Morgan. Oh my and god. Hopefully, that was just because to appease Adam Gase, which is what I read. That trying to block the Patriots from drafting him, which I don't see Joe doing that. I Me think either. it was more of a Gase thing. It smells and looks like one because it's a steaming pile of poop. <laughs> anyway, um. <laughs> I really like his drive last year, but Me too. and how much playing time they got, but how much is it that they got on the field? I got, got off too, but Travis, man, you kill me every week. That's amazing. Um, I, and I think those are all fair criticisms of Joe Douglas. Look, I, I'm mostly a Joe Douglas guy. I think he's done a really good job, but at the same time, he's not without his critiques. Letting Robbie go is a massive mistake. I don't like the James Morgan pick. I think the Khalil swing, while I understood at the time, it didn't work. And they still have work to do, so we'll see. But as of now, I really like the direction that he has this team going. And I like the head coaching hire. So I do think he's done some things really well. Others definitely need some work. Mark in DC is up next. Thank you, Travis, again. Uh, and Mark wants to talk about taking a running back early. Yes, this is Mark calling from Washington, D.C. I called a few weeks ago to talk about taking a running back in the third round like Kenny Gainwell. And over the past week, I've seen a bunch of mock drafts and listened to a few pundits talk about taking a running back in the late first round or early second round like a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. And uh, just wanted to say and get your reaction to my opinion that talk of taking a running back in the, the first or second round is almost as annoying but not as annoying as the talk of sticking with Sam Darnold which thankfully the Jets did not do so interested to get your reaction in that again this talk of taking a running back in the first or second round is really annoying me and uh Go yeah, it's it's annoying. It would it wouldn't be a wise decision with all the other needs on this team. Again, I, I've said it a million million times. Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are both really good players, but with the amount of holes on this Jets team, they can't afford to spend that high end of a pick on a running back. A more complete team has that luxury, um, and that's that's really all I can say at this point because there's just too many times like just wait. If around three, four, five, you can find someone. And this system specifically is so good at making those mid-round, late-round guys into stars or into really good players. So they can get by with a mid-round guy and Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. I think that's fine. Last call is from Ildi. I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize. It was tough to hear on the voicemail. Wants to talk about pick 66. Hey, Matt. It's Ildi from New York. Um, I just wanted to uh, call and maybe talk about the... 66 pick in uh, this year's draft. So I was thinking there's a, there's a player that a lot of people are not talking about, and I kind of have an idea of who the Jets might go for with the 66 pick. Okay. Uh, the offensive tackle from BYU, actually. Uh, Brady Christensen, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, I was thinking this is a great pick for uh, for number 66, considering it's, you know, uh, he's expected to go late in the second round anyway. Or like early third. Uh, if he slips down to 66, I think that would be a great pick 
it would provide some familiarity as well as, you know, some chemistry with uh, Zach Wilson, assuming he's the number two overall pick. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to know what you thought about that. This also kind of uh, allows us to save our premium picks in 23 and uh, 34, at least one of them, for, uh, you know, something such as a cornerback. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with going offensive line with 23 or 34, but one of them, I don't think we should go both offensive line. I think we definitely do need a big corner presence, I such agree. as, you know, Greg Newsome or Asante Samuel Jr., I think that's his name. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to know what you thought of uh, Brady Christensen from BYU. I think that would be a great value pick at 66. Anyway, man, uh, thanks for taking the call, and uh, go Jets. How's it going? Bye. Thank you. Uh, I, I do agree. I think that would be a nice play at 66. It's different. I haven't necessarily heard that one, but it, it's an outside-the-box thought, and like you said, it would provide a little bit of continuity and some help there for a young quarterback. Would he come in and start right away? I don't know. Uh, but I do think that would be a nice developmental swing. The BYU offensive line was really good last year. And you bring up a really good point. With the cornerback the room as is, I agree. I think one of those picks probably does, does have to be a corner, either at 23 or 34, if they stay there. Um, th- there's multiple ways you could do it. But I do think that they desperately, desperately need corner help and should take one early. So that's going to do it for me on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. One and a week out, one week and four days out from the, or three days, whatever, not a math podcast from the NFL draft. So I have one more podcast episode before the draft, and I am excited. If you don't know, myself, Green Bean, and Ryan from Jets Talk 24-7 will be streaming during the draft all three days. On Ryan's channel, Jets Talk 24-7. If you're not subscribed to him, go do that. You should be. And same with Green Bean. Uh, and it was so much fun last year we did it, and there was huge reactions for the Denzel Mims pick and Mekhi Becton and all that fun stuff. We had an absolute blast over there last year and this year with multiple high-end picks and likely a quarterback being taken. A quarterback's being taken at two. Let's be real here. It's going to be insane. So I can't wait for it. Make sure to check out those streams, and uh, that's going to do it. I'll talk to you next time.